One of the lenses I want to suggest would be to consider the gospel through the lens of initiation. We feel responsible to have a kind of 30-minute conversation that ends with the sitcom making sense. Uh, no. Sometimes the vision can cause you to stop. The vision doesn't drive you, the vision can actually constrain you. You just think, well, gosh, that's way bigger than I am. That's way bigger than my skills. If your spiritual life does not have a regular dose of adventure to it, it's not going to sustain the masculine soul. So the problem is, we talk about uh, the process of initiation as the process of dying to your flesh without spending adequate time sort of relating and commiserating how unbelievably brutal that process can be. Yeah, dying. The the problem being that it sucks. I think that I have like this image of like this crystal clear lake, like mm. a, you, you know, where you'd like take your youth crib, your youth crips. For baptism, hopefully. Take your youth group for baptism and like there's sort of this like coming up out of the water, like there's fog the, over the, the early writer, morning. Yeah. You've read too much poetry, There's, my friend. I'm just telling you, Annie Dillard describes someone coming out of the water as being coated for a moment in a sheet of chrome. And it's like, just true. It's kind of what it looks like. And I'm like dying to yourself, like rising to a new life. But what I don't think about is how hard dying to yourself can actually be. It sounds really romantic, you know, I mean, in a sort of messed up, self-righteous sort of way. We just got back from a weekend in the mountains. Our wives were attending the event that was going on, and you and I each had our daughters. And we, our plan was to go and hike and be outside all day. But the weather in Colorado, the end of March and early April, there's a lot of snow. There's a lot of, haha, nice try. I believe my quote about the weekend six weeks ahead was, we're going to have a great time. We're going to go hiking for three days. <laughs> Not bring a book and just kind of hike and have the daughter strapped behind you. 17 inches while we were there. Which meant we were indoors. Which meant that we explored every nook and cranny of the inn that we were staying at. And there was a lot of lessons of dying to yourself. About 100 years ago, back when we started the podcast, we talked about becoming fathers and... There were a lot of lessons that we were learning just even stepping into the yes of the heart that was the shift to being open to being parents. And that's really what that episode was about. This is a year and a half later and talking about the the reality of just kind of what it's been like this past year and a half and really stories inspired by three days in a lodge with nothing to do except play billiards with one arm on the... On the daughter and the other arm on the pool cue. Yeah, there should be a, a, a photo set that accompanies this particular podcast. Hey, uh, not a dad or not even planning on being a dad? Don't worry. Turns out that the lessons of living in the present, of mastery, of relationship coming out of Sabbath are actually applicable across relationships and across arenas. They just happen to be like uniquely intensified in the space of caring for like one one year olds. Yeah, well, well, actually, we're. I think we're going to end up going with this conversation. Is something that the situation has evoked, and the situation is being a father, but it is the circumstance of pressure 
It's just adding pressure to normal life and revealing the cracks of where things might not be going super well. It doesn't have to be a daughter. It could be something else that reveals that. And we'll get there later, but the the ways that we think of certain capacities like joy and happiness, patience, that I just, I, I, when I was growing up, video games told me something. They told me that I would hit levels and I would just get all of these new points to ascribe to attributes. Right, you just sort of cashed into new like, abilities. Welcome, you are now level 20 and your strength has gone way up and your patience is up and your charisma's still kind of down, but it's okay because your strength went up. I'm thinking and I sort of, of thought that like patience fable. would happen. And I think where I want to get to later on in this conversation is just how much these things have to be practiced and exercised. But yeah, so can I just ask a question? You can ask as many questions as you want. Okay, I don't because know if I'm well, answer it. so it's super interesting to have, like, uh, you know, the principle of surrogacy of you have people living the lifestyle that you're living who you can look at and see how it's going for them to kind of give you a not necessarily a level of comparison, but a benchmark that you can have a conversation around. And yes, I knew some of those words. Basically, what I'm trying to say here is it looked most of the weekend you were like pretty relaxed about what was happening and seemed to like <laughs> be like, you oh about man, the, like, Finley's going to go to bed soon. Like, oh, yeah. I hope she stays up a little longer. And I was like, wow, this guy just <laughs> knows how to do all of the things. Uh, that's actually the uh, assumption most younger brothers make of their elder brothers for many things. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like, what I want to know is, what was your what was your worst moment? Or if you didn't have a worst moment, where was the worst moment three months ago that let you sort of seem basically comfortable with most of the things that happened this weekend that included like babies teetering on the edges of pools, like... There, you know, Total meltdowns when you tried to shove your daughter up into a chimney, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like screening fit. It was in a the cubby library. hole. It was a cubby hole, and she wanted to be in it, but just apparently not head first. Okay, I, I learned that lesson <laughs> very quickly. Um, yeah, I feel like that there's a posture that either comes to people or or doesn't, which is a nice way of saying nothing. This unshakable thing, right, is what you're naming. And I would love for that to be said about me. It doesn't feel true right now because all it takes is about five minutes of the baby screaming bloody murder and not being soothed to make me feel like I'm going insane and that my reserves apparently have been on empty all along and it just took that to reveal it. But there's something to coming through that and being relatively unscathed. There is some mental fracturing that happens that needs healing. Walking through something like that, I feel like with most things, you learn depths that you didn't know that you had, right? So it's a big uh, assumption around here that you kind of have to introduce some challenges. There are many that will come naturally in life, but there are others that you can artificially generate like climbing a mountain or going on a backpacking trip or building a... I don't know, rocking chair. Like, there's just tasks that you don't know that you can accomplish that then when you have, you can look back and go, I did it. I reached the peak. I built the chair. I passed the class, you name it. Having a daughter has been like someone introducing small tests all the time that I didn't ask for. And yet passing them, learning 
that I have the capacity to to walk through uh, an evening of no sleep or days of no sleep. Our labor was 72 hours. Like, I, I, we don't have talked about this anywhere else before, but like our labor was so long and so intense and also so beautiful and so unifying for Susie and I that like we got to draw closer and having walked through that together was like, oh, okay, like we can handle this. I do remember though, after that labor being like, okay, so we get a weekend off now, right? Like somebody else is going to take the baby and we get to, no, it's still here. She's still, we have to keep going. And that was a little bit of a, a reorientation. So this weekend is, you know, Finley is in a new space and new rhythms and we're responsible for our daughters. I don't know. There's, there was a posture of things can get fairly bad, but it's going to be okay. That I think was the, the guiding point on the compass. I mean, what you're describing is, you know, the reality. It's so obvious, but you only learn how to do a thing by like grappling inside it of, and you know, Seneca, the great Greek philosopher and speaker, rhetorician really, just has this thing of like where he describes that you train a wrestler by uh, partnering them to a worthy adversary. And he just goes, all difficulty is God sending you a strong partner to train you. And I'm like, okay, so you do it from the inside. But like I'm watching you and Finley sort of like roll through, you know, because more than one day a week with your nurse wife, like, you get to be on point, like, dadded up all day. There's no rhythm like that for me. And so when I find myself being like, crap, it is 8 o'clock. I've been trying to put her down for forever. She's still crying. How long should this go before she's, like, dehydrated where I'm actually, like, doing some sort of physical damage to this being? And there's just so much uncertainty that I feel like... So anyway, what Jesus ended up pointing out to me was like, uh, this is hard simply because you don't know how to do it. Like, you actually have not invested the time to occupy this being's rhythm to the point where you actually can identify what the needs are with any degree of authority, which uh, is super helpful in, like, parenting to have, like put down a being enough times that you know, like, what tears are, like, all ba- most babies cry or most toddlers cry when you're putting them down if they don't want to. Like, but there's, like, you know, subtle variations in the signals of those tears and tantrums that give you valuable information about your infant. But just how much that's true, like, across spheres of, like, I don't know, have you had... Uh, we were just talking to, like, a friend about managing his relationship with his family and their expectations for how often he would call or what kind of role he would have in his siblings' relationships. And we were giving him some tools to sort of, you know, engage those conversations from a position of strength. But we also just had to tell him, like, bro, there is no way to learn this besides having a bunch of conversations with your family about where limits are. And they might not be learning at the same speed, but you are learning how to bring care into a conversation and, like, work to be understood. And there's no way besides showing up and actually 
talking it through again and again and again to develop that capacity, which just happens to be one of my least favorite things about life. (laughs) I'm struck by how this is so similar to many other conversations that we have. um, That is, how are you interpreting the present? How are you interpreting the thing that's unfolding before you? Luke's job working as a substitute teacher, uh, an afternoon with your daughter where it's not going very well and you are so bored. She wants to keep exploring the same room and walking around. And you're like, I just, I've been staring at this wall for forever and I can't be a good parent, surely, because I've just been staring at this wall. You have this opportunity to interpret what's going on right there. And I find myself often trying to see things in their place in time because it's, I found it really helpful. It's the Viktor Frankl thing that I've, mentioned a ton of times before but I get choked up in moments as we're like we took our daughters to the library in this small town where you'd think that the library would be terrible but it was awesome it was new and totally killed an hour and a half there and then the girls loved the parking lot on the way back to the cars almost as much if not more than the library itself because they're learning how to walk and just pacing all over the place and in those moments, I'm going, okay, I can be frustrated that things aren't going as I thought. I can be anxious that we're not filling the time super well or that I'm not doing everything correctly. And instead, I'm just watching my daughter like toddle around this parking lot and I, I can get a little bit sentimental. I, I'm watching this and I'm, I can already imagine her as a 16-year-old, as a 26-year-old, as someone who's stepping out and further away. And I can see myself in those moments, uh, those decades ahead, looking back on this parking lot with her being this person. And it's given me more empathy for my parents and other parents to go like, oh my gosh, you are at once engaging a being that is many things for your memory. At this point, at this particular point in time, they are who they are. And, I, and you want to be blessing them and interacting with who they are. And yet also wrestling with the grief of like, I remember what it looked like when you were just learning to walk and you were so hysterical, your arms up and out and we kind of keep singing, what do you do with a drunken sailor? Because you just look ridiculous. And now here you are a young woman or a mother, I mean, whatever stage you're at and go. So sometimes seeing things in their place and time is really helpful. Sometimes it can be a little emotionally crippling. (laughs) Yeah, to be clear, you're actually just a very sentimental parent all the time. So, oh God, I just, we cry. Were, I just, just cry. I just, I cry often. <laughs> it's so beautiful. When you have this, why are you leaving me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not clingy, I promise. Oh man, let me tell you. Here was here was one of my low moments of the weekend. Was Ailish hasn't seen Evan in a long time, and it's you know we're a couple days into this thing, and it's nighttime. And Ailish is looking at me very seriously going, mommy. And I'm like, mommy's out? And then she like <laughs> understands and she goes and gets the, finds the car keys and comes back and holds them up to me. Goes, oh my gosh. Mommy. Yeah, I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, wow. I, yeah, I understand what you want. You <laughs> She's one and a half, You're doing right? a very good job of communicating <laughs> it. And it's just not available. Ugh. So you are going to go to sleep instead. It's brutal. But, after she was asleep, before I came back, I had the opportunity to take, like, these long phone notes. And there were just a few things that came out of, like, this experience that were sort of the takeaways 
across arenas. And I'm just going to throw out a few because one of them was sort of in the middle of the night coming to this revelation, this, you know, moan of pure clarity, a shaft of light hit the bed. And I was like, you don't need to know the most. You don't even need to like know the necessary outcomes of an activity in order to lead. Oh my gosh. Because what this came out of was like, I feel like in a lot of arenas with trying to raise a daughter, I just don't know what it should look like. Like, you know, beginning to structure discipline into Alish's life for like, I'm like, I really don't know right now what areas you understand natural consequences and what areas you just honestly still don't because this is happening in real time and you're very small. Sometimes you seem outrageously sophisticated, but it's like, I don't know, or even more simply, like, you know, we're at altitude. I, I just don't know if my daughter is dehydrated where I'm like, I think you've had enough to drink, but you're really sad. But you also could be sad because you didn't eat very much dinner because you sort of refused everything. I think that if you would just take a bite, you might feel better. I like, I just don't know if you've eaten enough for me to expect you to be able to go to sleep. I had this conversation with my wife all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're sad, but you're probably just hangry. Can we have a slice of pizza? I'm just kidding. You've never had that conversation before. But no, but in like a feeling like because I don't actually know what the needs are in a moment that it's really hard to actually like lead into a solution. And you want to have everything all buttoned up. Yeah. I, I want the confidence of like, no, in a very simple example, like, You are hydrated and satisfied and tired. There's no issue here besides your, you know, the fact that you don't like being alone in your bed. Like, boom, you're going to sleep. But it just, it's never that clear. And so, you know, we can just begin to like branch this out and be like, I would love to know that what my wife needs is a few hours with a friend, but maybe she needs solitude or she's trying to decide whether or not to like keep leading a small group. And I'm like, I really have no idea which what you should do relative to that. Maybe this is a you know a time for perseverance. Like it's hard enough in your own life, but increasingly as a man, you're called to actually have these conversations with other people where you're like, you know, we did a podcast on when is it a closed door and when is it adversity? Hard to find out for you. Maybe even harder when a person, a brother, a friend is like, so do I stay at this job? Like, how's it work? And being like, I have no idea. And yet, in this area of parenting, turns out it's the area where I'm freaking realizing in real time at about nine o'clock at night, which doesn't sound late to non-parents, but let me tell you, it's late. It's late to a one-year-old. Realizing like, oh my gosh, I, I don't, being able to lead has nothing to do with knowing the outcomes. It is actually a posture of wanting to discern the direction of life that lets a person lead. Yeah, it's just taking it and and choosing and to step in the right direction. It feels like you're being supposed to move in this area. You don't get to actually know what comes next. And there's a lot of wrestling and grappling with that. As I'm growing as a parent and as I'm growing as a man, there's all these areas that I think I wish 
that I didn't have to learn things the hard way or through difficulty. I think I've envisioned myself as a fairly patient person. And then we had a kid. (laughs) And I wanted to go around to all of the people in my world that didn't have kids yet. And I wanted to be like, you know nothing. You you think you're tired. You know nothing. Oh, it must be so hard staying up late at night and having some bottles of wine. That uh, is a little too cliche. So I I didn't do that. But there has been this shift. And part of the shift is away from the self. And it doesn't have to just be a child that does it. Sometimes it's a different loved one that definitely is a key piece of marriage I've found. And actually a lot of friendships. Like there's just a lot that I, that if the motivation is self-securing, things do not go well. Susie and I have, I'm actually, I touched on this a little bit in a podcast for Ransom Heart, but there's this posture that Susie and I have seen um, and some friends and some friends of friends near near us that it seems to be that the the posture was no one else is going to look out for me, so I'm going to look out for myself. I'm going to I'm going to take care of what I need, and it blows everything up. That like that need to self secure and and still like prioritize the self tends to just make the problem worse and we just we've watched it like destroy relationships and destroy marriages and like we we can understand how it happens like i i can at least empirically if not firsthand understand how people get there and yet i think as i've experienced with the pressure like that's the metaphor i keep coming back to as people ask you know what's it like or what should i anticipate or how is it um, I tend to go like, well, I've been working on this foundation that is me, that is my heart, that is my soul, that is how I think about reality and who I am becoming. And there are not, it's not perfect. It's not level. There's some areas where I'm still digging and trying to like get to something solid. There are cracks, but it, it looked pretty good. And I was like, this is a pretty good, this, I don't know, I, mean, I don't mean to brag, but this looks pretty sweet. And then added marriage on top of that and then adding a child on top of that actually just feels like this pressure that gets pushed on top, which can sound really negative and depressing, but actually uh, isn't because you want to be building to continue that metaphor. And it reveals anywhere that you actually haven't been putting in the time. So if I feel like I'm still trying to get a little bit of me, which I was at first, it was very kind of tit for tat. Yeah, Susie, I'm also thinking of David's reference right now, but. We're just going to stop and spend the rest of the podcast right here. Just kidding. But like, this point is vital where, and it's very much in line with Jesus explaining that the person who tries to save their life will lose it. And Em and I usually talk about it in terms of, if I try to get what I need and secure life for myself, as you said, it will blow up. But like, we live in a climate that says, Like, you have to secure life for yourself. And also, it runs alongside this thing of, like, you know, look out for number one. Like, and there is a version of this, you know, that's, like, advocate for yourself. Like, you know, and and there are, it runs up against other actions uh, 
that are a bit different, actually, but some basic examples of what this looks like are like, the, you know, the human heart has some basic needs of like Sabbath, joy, plenty. And if I make a move to like get it, and I, like, man, great example of this going super poorly just last week. So we had just happened to have in the parenting arena a few weeks in a row where if Ailish woke up in the middle of the night and Emily went to soothe her, it would turn into like a total meltdown, Ailish's panic crying disaster for reasons unknown to us. So it just happened for a while that what we defaulted to was me getting up to respond to Alicia's cries in the night, if that happened. And this had gone along for a while, where what I started to do was like, I need to rest. And nothing in my world is providing it for me, so I need to like really aggressively take it. And like, there's a version of this that's like identifying I really need some basic rest here. Oh, yeah. We're all about self-care. Yeah. There there are definite categories where that is okay. Go for the bike ride. Take the time alone. Read a book. Do some combat breathing in the moment. And I can, yeah, and I can even bring the conversation to my wife of like, I'm feeling this in response to what our life looks like right now. Like, I'm feeling the consequences in me that I, you know, my heart needs some basic, like, sleep for heaven's sake like what can we do or what does it look like to get that in our life right now but that would have been a really mature way of handling it instead (laughs) what i did was like you know come home in the mood of like and just you know ask the question this way of like hey can we go to bed like right after dinner tonight like i might have even said a worse way of like um you know throughout like something and about our evening, and I was like, yeah, but I, th- I actually need to go to bed right after we eat, like, to try and, like, sleep, and, like, set this tone that was, like, what I am moving towards is me being asleep as soon as possible, and I will destroy everything between me and that, or dismiss everything between me and that, because the highest goal now is me falling asleep in a cozy pile of leaves like a little squirrel, and... <laughs> Every, sleeps outside. Everything has to be sacrificed on that altar. And that's where the shift is. It's like when the highest priority becomes the life that I'm trying to secure for myself, everything else is going to be pushed out of the way, which one discounts the reality that like Jesus is committed to bringing us these things in season and is the one who brings rest. So actually like, submitting myself to a conversation into a lifestyle in which like we're seeking God together. I forgot the beginning of that sentence somehow. So I don't even know how to end it, but I just it just <laughs> went away. <laughs> Have I mentioned that I'm still a little sleep deprived? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ended up somewhere. Your feet took you. You didn't know how you got there. Damn it. So something I do want to mention is that we are also very aware that after a weekend, an extended weekend with our daughters and, you know, feeling all proud of ourselves for doing it, we are also aware that our wives are doing this five days a week for, you know, not quite as long, but we saw them more than they see us during the day. And so this is something that was an event that caused us to to wrestle with some of these things. And I think 
as I was mentioning earlier, where I where I do want to be landing and coming to is this this conversation around developing these capacities for patience, for joy, for selflessness. And we talk a lot about uh, in other places we've talked about your lineage and seeing this your life as a continuation of a story, whether that's good or bad. Uh, there's something to be wrestled with there, rather than the cultural orphans. There's a there's a story that you exist in. You don't you're not a free floating point that's just going to vanish when you're gone. And that's been a shift for me as well of of not seeing myself as the end or the culmination of the story, but as someone who is also charged with passing on and helping my daughter and daughters or sons someday understand that as well. I think that I expected myself to become more patient someday. Like that I was, I would look at people who were older and go, oh, wow, like you hit your 20s and you just are wiser and kinder and uh, more physically active. And that sounds great. And you hit your 30s and you've kind of become more sagely and you know yourself better. And and by the time you're in your 40s, like you are super patient. And that is true from person to person because some people have been practicing it for decades and others haven't. And as a weekend away in the woods with nowhere to go and nothing to do taught us, there's there are these capacities that I want to be cultivating rather than waiting for the situation to strike. That contentment or joy or patience aren't things that like the stars have to align for me to feel them. I'm like, wow, like it was just a really great day. I got enough sleep. I had the right food. And that was my favorite breakfast. And then it was a sunny day. So I got to go do this and that. And now because all those things happened, I am happy or I am content or now I have the capacity for some patience for other people. But instead to be like, no, these are, these are abilities. These are fruit that take work. They take cultivating. They take growing and if I'm not doing them, if I'm neglecting them, I'm not suddenly going to become someone who's patient and wise for my daughter in 10 years. I'm going to be an asshole who doesn't have those capacities. I think about this a lot because I sometimes feel like I'm becoming less patient as like the need for patience increases, which is a helpful indicator because it's like, I think the world tells you that like difficulty produces character. I mean, Paul the Apostle says, you know, produces endurance, perseverance produces character, whatever, whatever the order is. Um, but, There's a formula, but we don't know what it is. Yeah, but just observing my own life, like, difficulty that is beyond me that requires, like, even just asking something as simple as, like, Christ in me lived this, Jesus. Like, difficulty that is beyond me walked through and reflected upon and having and with God invited into it produces like big time change, right? And I can observe it, you know, in the great moments of thinking like where I'm like, oh man, we need to run this errand. I'm in the car, my daughter's in the backseat, just screaming. And I'm like, you know, but I know it's gonna be like 30 minutes until we get into town. And that's fine. And then I'll be like, you know, I don't really feel like a very patient person. But when I think about like 21-year-old, like 
Blaine, who th- thought he was a lot more awesome um, and definitely got a lot more positive feedback, like, from his peers on a regular basis, like, would just, would have no idea what to do, like, a year and a half into this. Like, not babysitting someone else's kid for an afternoon, but, like, being called upon hour after hour, month after month. It's like, wow, this really actually does create a circumstance that I cannot do and actually have to invoke some of the resources of heaven, and that is producing real change in me. 